0: to the Freedom Pact. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode 160 of the Freedom Pact podcast, and today on the show, we are joined by Dr. Frank Lipman. Frank is a New York Times best-selling author, a leader in functional medicine, and is the author of the brand new book The New Rules of Aging Well. In this conversation today, we discuss anti-aging, how to set back the biological clock and age well. In this episode, we discuss the yin and yang of anti-aging, the principle of hormesis, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, the gut-brain connection, why you need to eliminate sugar from your diet, how to get a better night's sleep why you should consider having your last meal at 3pm, the benefits of fasting, supplements, the role that purpose, love and connection has in how we age and much, much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the fantastic Dr. Frank Lipman. Frank, when I was going through the book, what I really liked was that you break aging down into a kind of yin and yang concept. And and I take this as kind of the yang is like the masculine tracking workouts, tracking the calories, the sleep, the, fact, the blue blocking glasses, all that type of stuff. And the yin is the kind of the connection, the purpose, the community, the love, the rest, that type of thing. So I wonder, could you just sort of give us an overarching concept of ageing, uh, you know, of ageing, whether well, that yin and yang type of side to it? Right. Well, I mean, uh, the only reason, you know, I, I do think of
1: things generally in, in terms of yin and yang, just from my training in in, in Chinese medicine, but I just think as a culture, uh, we in the West are too yang, we're too aggressive, we're too, it's all about um, uh, pushing and uh, going further and, you uh, being the best you can. Um, whereas a lot of the older cultures, it's more about adapting and um, slowing down and um, taking, taking care of, of, of um, your spirit, for lack of another term. So I, I talk of it in those terms because I think we, we, we are too dr- driven in the West and too Yang. And I think um Aging well is a combination of the two. You know, I like to mix the wisdom from old traditions with the, the research and the new science. Um, but being aware of the big picture, because it's not about being too yin or too yang. It's about, you know, a balance of, of both. And uh, I just think I stress, I always stress the yin because I think it's as important as, I'm not against the tracking. I track my sleep. I'm not against uh, exercising a lot and I'm not against um, pushing oneself to a certain extent, but I think uh, as a culture, we do that too much. I think it's good to balance it with
0: the yin. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So I I devoured the book. I think it would be a great place if we sort of, uh, let's start with the yang. So I would love to just sort of talk about in the book, you mentioned that there are 20 Longevity genes—I I believe these are called sirtuins. You Not—I—I'm know, I, a medical expert or anything. Uh, but before we delve into this, I wonder: could you just sort of give our audience, uh, as we age, you know, I, I assume that from when the day we're born, we start aging. What is actually happening to our cells as we get older?
1: Well. Um... I'm not quite sure if, if uh, we aging in a negative sense from when we're born. I mean, I actually like to see it, I sort of break it up into two areas. In the first part of our lives, maybe till we're 30 or 40, 40 we, when we're aging, we, we want to grow and we want to build and we want to get strong and we want to reproduce. Uh, it's after the age of 40, it's more about maintaining. And that's sort of the the... Why I bring that up is because you you talked about the longevity genes. We now you know I, I mentioned earlier about uh, using the the latest research and combining it with this old wisdom, and we now know from research there they are probably at least twenty genes that they've discovered that affect our aging. You know we have different genes that you can upregulate and downregulate by our lifestyle for the most part, um, and 20 or so of them are what they're calling longevity genes. And then you get the gene regulators already, the sirtuins and the mTOR, mechanistic target of rapamycin and AMPK. Um, and uh, when we're younger, we, for instance, the difference is um, you want to stimulate your mechanistic target of rap- rapamycin, that, that longevity gene or that longevity d- gene regulator, because that's the, the gene that's about growing strong and reproducing, so you want to stimulate that. But when you hit 40 or you're in an old fart like me in your 60s, <laughs> you don't want to stimulate that because then you're stimulating cellular growth. And when you stimulate cellular growth, then you're also stimulating cellular waste. And one of the, and one of the things that happens as you grow older your self-cleansing mechanisms decrease or aren't as efficient. In fact, one of the things that happens as we get older is your functioning in general decreases. And one of the most important functions that decrease is your cleansing mechanisms. And so if you continue to stimulate growth, you're going to need to cleanse more as well. And, And because that mechanism isn't working as well, if you're going to stimulate cellular growth and, and your mechanism cleansing mechanisms aren't working well, you can stimulate uh, cancers because you'll grow cancer. So that's the idea of not wanting to stimulate that particular longevity gene, as opposed to, you mentioned sirtuins and the AMK, those you do want to actually stimulate. Yeah.
0: Right. I, I find this really interesting. So as far as Actually, aging goes. I had a conversation with this about a friend. So, in terms of the lifestyle factors, we don't have a choice of our genetics, but in terms of our diet, our exercise, our sleep, our connection, uh, when it comes to aging well, how much of a factor does you know those things which we control, how you know, what sort of effect could that, how many years could it add on? How, how big of a difference could it make?
1: Wolf, well, well. I think our genes that you are born with, um, you know, most of them you can, what we call upregulate or downregulate. In other words, you may be predisposed to heart disease or diabetes or cancer, but how you live your life will determine how those genes are expressed. Mm-hmm. And that's most of your genes. Now there are a few genes that you can't change your genes for, you know, brown hair or blue eyes or your heart tall you are. But most of your genes, you can actually manipulate in a in a good or bad way. So what we call upregulate or downregulate. So um, I think most of the, um, the aging process is determined, or or a lot of yeah, I'd say most of it is determined by our lifestyle. Now, um, uh, it's important to 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 realize that you know because most of us or we used to think that because you're born with this gene for cancer or this gene for heart disease, well, there's nothing you can do about it. We now know that there's a lot you can do about it. Um, So I think it's important to realize that lifestyle makes a huge difference, but, um, and this is where the yin and and maybe the yang comes in. Um, Is it about just living longer, living to 120 or 130, or is it about, um, in, in, that's increasing your lifespan? Or is it rather about increasing your health span? How long you stay healthy and vital uh, for before you just snuff, drop dead and snuff it? You know, I want to like be vital and um, vital and healthy and do all the things I want to do, you know, whether it's to 90 or 100 or 110, then just, you know, drop dead in a in a, a day or a week or whatever. I don't want to suffer. So I think the idea is to actually... You know, yes, increase your lifespan to a certain extent, but really increase your health span. Because the problem we have today is, you know, you, you know, what's the use of living to 100 if the last 20 years of your life, you can't really get around properly, your mind is gone, you can't enjoy your grandchildren, you, you just can't enjoy your life. So it's about increasing your health span and your lifespan, but, you know, pay attention to that health span.
0: Yeah, David Sinclair, when he came on the show, he said that he wanted to live till 105, find a lump, and then be dead in a week. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I agree 100%
1: with
0: that. Yep, yep. I love it, man. So in the book, uh, in this book... In fact, the
1: longevity genes, David talks about that in in his book. Um, Yes. He talks about the longevity
0: genes, yep. Yes. Uh, And one of the things in which I've got in the book, which I really want to bring home for people here is in the book you talk about this concept of hormesis yes. and small stresses which make you stronger. So I wonder, could you talk to us and sort of bring home this idea of hormesis and sort of how it works?
1: Sure. So there's that old saying, I think it's, you know, I grew up in South Africa um, and I grew up with it. so it's probably some English, just comes from somewhere in your neck of the woods, <laughs> um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's really what hormesis is. So we used to stress being bad for you and chronic stress is bad for you, but short acute stresses on the body are actually very good for you. Um, so for instance, fasting is a good example. If you don't eat for you know 14 or 16 hours, it's a bit of a stress on the body And that stress stimulates some of these uh, longevity gene regulators, the sirtuins, uh, or or inhibits the mTOR. Interval training, so a little short burst of speed is, you know, once again, is is good for you. Uh, A sauna, extreme heat, or going from a sauna into a cold plunge, good for you, so these you're having a very hot shower and ending off with a cold shower. So extreme temperature changes, another little stress on the body. So these little stresses on the body are actually very good for you. It's a long chronic stress, which is a problem. And that's what hormesis is. These acute short stresses that actually stimulate a positive response in the body.
0: Isn't this so interesting? Because in modern life, we know that there's a lot of sick people. And what do we do in modern life? We take the escalators, we overheat our homes, we take an Uber instead of working. It seems like more than ever, we're afraid of discomfort. (laughs) Uh, No, absolutely. I think that's a major,
1: major uh, point. I mean, and it it extends to almost everything we do. I think um, the idea of cleaning everything, for instance, or like, you know, this hygiene um, hypothesis of, of baby, you know, not in letting your baby eat something off the floor or <laughs> not letting your dog lick your baby's face. All of, all of this is actually getting these back to, you know, we have this idea of, of, of all bugs are bad for you. Um, and you, you want to live in this clean, pristine environment. But we're finding out that's not particularly good for your body's microbiome. So I think the way we live today is actually probably. Uh, not that good for longevity. Although, you know, to a certain extent, you know, it may help us from living in extreme conditions. But I think these short, you know, short short um, getting outside in, in the extreme cold, I don't know, does it get that cold in Wales? I'm not sure it does. Yeah, it gets, it's damp, right? It rains a lot, dear, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think we don't, we, we've, we've forgotten a lot of the wisdom that we should have sort of learned from a lot of old cultures, you know, maybe more so in America because it's such a young culture, but I think all cultures have so much wisdom and we don't, we don't really respect that or, 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 um, or or take enough, pay enough attention to, to that. I mean, I don't know enough about the Welsh culture, so I can't really comment, but, all these old cultures have has, there's so much wisdom there that we tend to ignore.
0: Completely agree, man. Um, let, let's touch on, on diet a bit. And one thing that your book really hits home for is that a, a huge factor in aging well is simply eating less. So I wonder, could you sort of double click on this? Um, you know, why should we eat less? Yeah, I think, uh,
1: you know, once again, it, it, it It sort of comes down to this concept of, um, uh, well, first of all, we eat too much as a culture, as a general rule anyway, in America in particular, probably less so in Wales, but definitely in America. And it comes back to that same concept of autophagy I was talking about, the body's self-cleansing mechanism. Because you know, when you eat, your body has to process everything, and there's always going to be cellular waste. And as you get older, this process of aut- autophagy, this, the cleansing mechanisms, decrease. So the less you know stress you put on those mechanisms, um, the the less hard your body has to work, the easier it is for it. So um, you know, the two things you don't need as much food as you're eating. Um, and secondly, you know, the, the more you eat, the excess you eat, you're, it's just extra work for your body to, to cleanse, to, to clean out the cells per se. So it's less, you know, I just think it's important to, you know, you've got to adapt as you get older. And this is where, uh, you know, why talk about the yin. You know, it's fine to push yourself and um, get bigger and stronger Uh, when you're younger but when you get into your 40s and 50s that's not good for your body because your body there's a decrease in general function and we've got to just accept it it's just what it is so if you keep pushing yourself including um, the digestive processes and the processes that have to metabolize the food you you put in it's just more work on the body and why do you want to do that
0: Yeah. You know, this this is a really interesting topic because I remember, you know, growing up in a family, you're sitting at the table, your parents want you to be full, they want you to have starters, they want you to have desserts. And one of the things in which in my house anyway, we were really big on was breakfast. I was always told breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And a few years ago, when I started intermittent fasting, and I would skip breakfast, even three or four years ago, people would say, you're crazy you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I wonder, what are your thoughts on breakfast being the most important meal of the day? Well, now I don't think, I think it's an unnecessary meal. So, But I
1: I used to believe that too, like everyone. In fact, I used to teach my patients to do, I used to, you know, (laughs) even, even my older books, I used to talk about breakfast being the most important meal of the day. And if you want to have a stable blood sugar, you need to have breakfast. So yes, I being even a holistic doctor was promoting that idea. So I'm guilty of that too. Um, But I, like you, have been, you know, not having breakfast for the last number of years. And it's great. And it's actually, you know, now we know there's a ton of science um, actually um, documenting that, you know, time-restricted eating, which is sort of, basically eating dinner earlier and breakfast later. Um, so eating all your your calories, which obviously you know about because this is your thing, but eating all your calories in a, in a, you know, let's say an eight hour time period and fasting for the 16 hours is actually very good for your body because once again, it stimulates autophagy, it stimulates those longevity genes. That's all the good, it's, you know, apart from you feeling great, I mean, I feel so clear. I mean, I you know I love it. I you, you know I wasn't even a coffee drinker really, but now you know I I have a cup of black coffee in the morning, and I do. I'm so clear and sharp in the morning um, without breakfast. Uh, um, you know, to me, it's like a no-brainer for anyone who wants to to age well. I mean, I think some for some people, especially people who are used to having lots of carbohydrates in their food. That's a little bit difficult in the beginning, but for most people, especially as you get older, I think it's like a no brainer. Now there's there a couple of contraindications. I do see a, often um, younger women who actually sort of in their thirties, um, occasionally in their forties, but younger woman who, who, um, want to have babies i don't necessarily recommend it unless they want to lose weight for a short period but for anyone over 40 over 50 it's like it's a no-brainer i mean why wouldn't we just do that and it's actually as you you can attest to once you start doing it it's like it's so easy it just becomes a way of life and that actually is one of the easiest ways to eat less i mean i just eat two meals Instead of three meals, I eat two meals and I'm not hungry. I don't need all that much food. So I do think this, you know, we have so many um, bad habits in our, in our Western culture that we've adapted to this new way of living. And because there's excess of everything, there's just food you can get at any time. Um, it's not particularly good for our, for our aging mechanisms.
0: I love that man. I love that. And in terms of intermittent fasting, I mean, one of the main things which which I experience and the people I speak to talk about is that just by giving up food, say three hours before bed, I mean the difference which this makes to sleep. I mean, I was yes. always a, a nighttime binger, but it's it's night and day, you know, pun intended difference. <laughs> no, no, it makes a huge difference. You know, I, I do believe
1: because I'm very into the rhythms in you know, body rhythms. Ideally, if you can actually have your last meal around three o'clock, that's probably even better. But that's very difficult for the you know, to fit into our lifestyles. But I, I, I would imagine um, I, I strongly believe I don't do it myself because it's just too inconvenient. You know We've got families we've got to eat with. But ideally, I mean if you can eat your last dinner at three and then your break, when you break your fast is around seven, it's probably better. But for most of us, you eat your last dinner at six or seven, and then you eat again at 11 or 12. It's so easy. It's like so easy to do. You know, that's one of the things in my practice, we do a lot. And, you know, people, you know, first of all, people who don't look at you as if you're crazy first. And they say, as you said, but breakfast is the most important meal. But when they come back and they start doing it, they love it. There's very I have very few patients who've told me who haven't really started it and just find it really helpful, you know, from, from weight loss to, you know, we, I do a lot of measure, a lot of biomarkers in my office. So we do a lot of blood tests and um, uh, it's unbelievable that the changes that you, the the metabolic changes you see with simple things like fasting. It's like very, very interesting. And it's like such, it's a no brainer you know you can do it it's 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 cheap because you're actually probably saving money on food and anyone can do it so i I love it i'm a huge huge fan
0: this this is really interesting so from what we've talked about we know that fasting uh can activate autophagy which can which can strengthen our immune system uh is it a case that Uh, because i I just want to clarify this question we've got a lot of type a personalities that listen to this we've got a lot of driven people uh is there a case that the longer is better with fasting is there a limit what's the sort of science on that well okay so
1: no one really knows but the type a people will think so my experience my clinical experience because i have type a people in my practice Is it doesn't seem to make that much difference to their biomarkers when we measure them. Mm. In fact, we have people who do. There's this fairly popular in America that people do this fasting mimicking diet. Um, because I have a lot of top eight people in in New York who want something that's easy, and the fasting mimicking diet gives them this this shitty food for five days (laughs) we've actually created stuff in my office where my my health coaches develop you know recipes for some soups and salads but you do five days of eating i think less than 1200 calories no animal protein um very low carb sort of low protein um people do that for five days a month and they still get good results on their biomarkers so I'm not, I've I've never seen um, bigger changes from more fasting. I don't think that's necessary. I think like most things, if you can make anything a habit and it becomes something that you do regularly, that's more important than having to fast for six days or whatever you do. Now, if you have a serious medical condition, that may be different but to reverse metabolic problems, to reverse prediabetes, to reverse a lot of the common problems that we have, whether it's, you know, people have to lose weight or mild hypertension or, you know, just to age better and changing people's biomarkers, I don't see a, a, a big difference from fasting more. That's been my clinical experience.
0: Yeah, you mentioned um, sugar, uh, not sugar, but that's where I was going. You mentioned pre-diabetes. I know David Perlmutter, who actually um, he's, he's on the back of the book. He was yeah, David's a
1: good friend. Yeah, he's uh, great. Have you had him on your we show? We have. Yes, he's, he's a, great. Yeah, a, he's, yeah. A,
0: he's yeah. a wonderful man. David is, and he said, and he mentioned on the show that if someone is drinking a couple of sugary drinks a day, then they are likely to be pre-diabetic. So I wonder how bad is sugar. And I'm not talking about front fruits, but just, you know, the sort of refined sugars and whatnot for us.
1: It's the devil. It's probably the worst (laughs) thing for us. Sugar is the devil. There's no question about it. Sugar is a drug. Um, The metabolic consequences of, you know, first of all, it's a drug and you become addictive and it's very hard to give up. But besides that, the metabolic consequences of eating sugar are, are you know, really detrimental to your health. I mean, sugar is also the precursor, you know, triggers inflammation, which is in the precursor of all our chronic diseases of today, you know, whether it's um, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, osteoporosis, you, Alzheimer's, you name it. Sugar is like the, to me, the biggest culprit for poor aging. There's nothing that comes close. Sugar, when I talk about sugar, I'm talking about sugar, processed foods, starchy foods. You know, you guys got to get rid of all those potato chips. Um, <laughs> but anything that turns into sugar is is bad news. Now, the, the, the part of the problem also is as we get older, our capacity to metabolize carbohydrates decreases. So when you're younger, you can have that crap. I'm not saying it's good for you. And your body can process it, but as you get older, that capacity to process the carbohydrates and the sugar, in particular, decreases. So you get more prone to, to to metabolic syndrome, pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, and then you know the the problem is downstream is the sugar dysregulation, and then it creates you know from predisposition to poorer outcomes with COVID to hypertension heart disease diabetes obesity Alzheimer's you name it cancer so but the sugar dysregulation is that problem downstream and it's a commonest problem we see today yeah and our culture promotes it you know the corporate you know the food industry um, which is not particularly you know they're not worried about your health they're more worried about their um their financial health are putting out these unhealthy foods. So you have to, it takes a lot of effort to be healthy in this day and age, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I I think that health is kind of a thing where we often think about it in terms of being reactive. We sit back and wait for illness to kick in, but I think it's one of the things we've got to be proactive.
1: Absolutely. And your generation is much better. I mean, I love it. You know, my, you know, when I, Dave, David, Pilmud and I have been doing this a long time. Um, you know, when we were st- st- when we were doing this in the 80s, 90s, I, I know David from probably 30 years ago. Yeah. When we were starting to do functional medicine, people thought we were, you know, we were quacks. Yeah. You know. <laughs> now we're gurus. Um, but, but but we yeah, we've been saying the same thing all the time. You've got to catch things. The earlier you catch something, the easier it is to reverse. And if you start, you know, these make a lot of these lifestyle changes, habits, then it just, then life becomes much easier. It's harder to reverse when you're older. What's your opinion on meat? Okay. I'm not against, you know, well-sourced meat, grass fed, grass finished meat. I'm not against meat. I, I, I coming from South Africa in particular, but, um, what I would is I used to eat a lot of meat. What I would say, I eat less meat now, I eat less animal protein than I used to, not that I'm against animal protein. And that's because we, we now know that animal protein has high levels of methionine in particular, which is an amino acid, um, which is, and branch chain amino acids, which are actually good for growth. Um, so if you want to grow strong, animal protein is good. But for the aging process, it's not so good because it stimulates uh, mTOR, the mechanistic target of rapamycin. So I suggest, and I've done it myself, when you get, a, you know, once you start getting to your 40s and 50s in particular, to decrease animal protein. But there's, so I, I still eat animal protein, but instead of once or twice a day, I probably have it once every second day or something. So it's not that I'm against it. I do think you've got to watch you know, once you get into your 60s, you've got to watch um, the your muscle uh, loss. And there's something called sarcopenia, same as we have osteopenia, which is a loss of bone, you get sarcopenia, which is a loss of muscle. So it's a fine balance, because the best thing for muscle is actually animal protein. So it's this fine balance um, as you get older. But I, I think Cutting back if you're eating a lot of animal protein is probably a good idea as you get older. But I'm not against
0: animal protein. Yeah, I'll definitely come back to the muscle one. I'm going to come back to that. The animal protein one is is interesting because in the book, I know that you say something like eggs are a natural multivitamin. Yeah, I love eggs. Yeah, yeah, you love it. So uh, eggs can be good. Eggs can be good.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Eggs are good. Eggs are good. I'm not saying animal products, Eggs are good. You, you know, uh, I, I'm not, you know, this is, this is the one area that it's a very, very, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, it's very nuanced and it's hard to say what is actually right. All I can say is I, I love eggs. I think eggs are wonderful. I'm not against red meat at all. Um, I just think once we get older, too much of it. I mean, I, I, I could have eggs every day. Um, and I'm, I'm not against eggs because of the cholesterol. I'm just saying too much animal protein, eggs included, because of the, the composition of amino acids, is not particularly good for the, the, the longevity gene regulator mTOR that we're talking about. That's all. You know, how significant that is, we don't really know. Um, You know, a lot of us are just making assumptions. You know, some, I have some patients who eat meat all the time and are feeling great. Um, So, you know, I don't don't know when it comes to um, animal protein and getting older. I think there is quite a bit of debate, but I am, I sit in the middle that, you know, you don't have to stop it, but probably decrease it.
0: Yeah, that seems like a a, a very sensible uh, thing. So if we, you know, there's been some very good takes on on diet here. I would love to just sort of wrap this up and just say, um, so we know as we get older, we might want to sort of decrease our sort of meat intake. As you mentioned, you, you sort of look to eat meat maybe once every other day or so. Are there some other general diet tips which you've got which could help us age well? Well, the best thing is stop sugar. I mean, a low, low carb diets I think,
1: would be universal. I, you know, I don't give a shit what people <laughs> say about, I mean, here I'm prepared to go, you know, some people talk about high carbs, but for most, you know, and there is no one right diet. I don't think there's one right diet. But I think cutting back on your sugar processed foods, refined carbs in particular, Um, probably your carbs in general or your grains. If you want to get your carbs, get it from vegetables is probably a good idea because, um, you know, high carbohydrate diets also stimulate mTOR and, and inhibit the, the other longevity genes, which you don't want to inhibit. So I think a low carb diet is a good idea. You know, after that, it becomes trickier because, um, Some people do better on a higher fat diet. Some people need a little bit more protein. So after that, I think it does become trickier. I do find um, once you're fasting and you're only eating two meals a day, it seems to be less of a problem. You know, so I'll have a soup for one meal and, you know, uh, it doesn't seem to be such an issue when you, you know, I'm not worried about having to decrease my eggs because I'm not having eggs every morning for breakfast which is what I used to have. So it does make it easier when you're only eating two meals a day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I love that. I, I want to come back to the muscle one. So you right. mentioned that muscle is is important as we age. What, what, what role does muscle play in, in aging well?
1: Well, well so muscle is important because not only is it important for, moving around and and preventing disability, which is very common with aging. But muscle is a metabolic organ. I mean, if you want to control your sugar, you need a good amount of muscle. So you, you need to see having good muscles as a way of actually helping you metabolize sugar as well. So muscle is a metabolic organ. And if you want metabolic health and you want to manage your carbohydrates, your blood sugar, you need a good amount of muscle. So it's important to realize that muscles don't just help you move around and, um, and lift things and, and be more functional, which is very important because that is a problem as you get older, but it's also helping you with your sugar metabolism. And it's just a metabolic, Or you've got to see muscle as another metabolic organ. It's
0: really interesting. Um, I, I noticed that you were wearing a, a, an aura ring, which you showed earlier. I yeah know. i you know i think
1: and you know i'm i'm yeah i think i i don't I'm, i sort of monitor my sleep in terms of patterns just because i like experimenting um, as you point out i've you know i i, I like i've noticed um, and i probably knew it but it's better to measure it i've noticed patterns when i have a little bit too much dark chocolate after dinner i may not sleep as well when i Eat late, earlier, I sleep better. CBD seems to help my deep sleep more. So I play around with it. Um, when I when I sauna in the morning, I seem to sleep better. So there, I you know, you notice patterns. I think the, the aura ring or, or monitoring your sleep can be helpful to determine patterns and what seems to help or not. And that's how I use it with my patients in, in, in my practice, rather than telling them to look there, well, I've got, you know, one and a half hours of deep sleep and an X amount of REM sleep. It's what I recommend to people with, with the Aura Ring is to make some changes and actually see what the patterns are. Stop drinking alcohol. You know, I'm not an alcohol drinker, but, you know, the classic example is people stop drinking alcohol and they'll come back and they're, oh my God, my sleep is so much better. Or, uh, you know, as you point out, people who eat earlier seem to sleep better. So I think the aura ring um, and sleep trackers, because this is just one of them, are are helpful to delineate patterns. Um, and sleep is very uh, sleep is one of those keys for aging well. So I'm I'm all for tracking um, self tracking. Um, I just you know as you pointed out in the beginning about too yang. Some people are a little bit too obsessed with tracking and they then they start freaking out that they're not sleeping well, they get more stressed, and then they they makes their sleep work. So you just gotta be smart about all these things.
0: Well, I am I'm loving this. What are some things which which you've done? You mentioned the CBD, you mentioned the sauna that you do that you incorporate for a great night's sleep. Well, I
1: find the things that you know if I am meditating regularly. If I'm, you know, when I'm in a groove and, you know, it depends, you know, when I'm working, if I'm in a groove of, you know, meditating uh, um, in the morning, getting outside and getting early morning light and going, exercising outside, you know, now that it's winter, you know, I'll ride my Peloton bike inside. But when I go outside in the morning, early morning and I ride, and I come. The, uh, we'll put it this way: the best sleep that I find is if I get up and I meditate in the morning. I go for a ride outside. I have a sauna. I mean, but this is the idyllic life. I can't do it all the time. Um, and um, and I eat earlier. I mean, then my sleep is fantastic. So all these little things seem to to help it. But you know, to be realistic, I have to work, and I can't go riding outside every day. But I do find. Um, meditation helps a lot um, eating earlier and not having you know I, I try have just a little bit of dark chocolate I love my dark chocolate so I'll just have a little bit um, that helps if I eat even if I have too much fruit I'm not because I love fruit even if I have too much fruit after dinner it affects my sleep um what else I, I take magnesium every night I don't I just take magnesium every night so I don't know if it helps or does. I think it does but I've been taking magnesium every night for so long that it you know I I, I don't even know what it would do if I didn't take it um uh, but CBD I I I gotta say when I'm a little bit um stressed or I know there's too much going on I pop my CBD and I find that I get it really is helpful. I mean, I'm a big fan of CBD. For me, it works. Not it doesn't work for everyone, but I, I know if I'm a little bit agitated or if I've given a talk too late and I'm too, my mind is too active. I just, I, I have the thing, you know, if I slug down some CBD, it
0: sort of really like knocks me out, which is great. Love to hear that, man. So I figured so far, I mean, we've, we've, absolutely smashed through the yang side. I mean, we, we've gone through uh, so many diet tips and we've gone through sleep and we've gone through what's happening to the cells. Let's look at this sort of the yin side. And, and how important then in aging is things like love, passion, purpose, connection? So I believe, and the older I get,
1: the more um, important I, I think these things are. And, you know, whether it's... Um, you know, they're intangible. They're hard to measure. You know, I wish I had an O-ring to measure if I am <laughs> have more gratitude, if I'm more, you know, more forgiveness, if I'm kinder, how much it helps. But just from noticing patients, you know, I, there's no question in my mind. And, and I, I don't need research to show me this. I mean, the patients of mine, you know, I've seen so many patients over so many years, The patients of mine who really do well are people who have meaning in their lives, who have a purpose. And, you know, the meaning or the purpose could be their kids. It doesn't have to be changing the world. It can be anything that's meaningful for them. But when people have that, when they have a community, um, when they're grateful for what they have, when they're not, you know, holding on to bitterness and anger and they're able to let go and forgive, I've definitely noticed that those people, you know, are thriving more, you know, even if they're eating, you know, their diets aren't perfect and they're not exercising as much. I just find um, when I look at, you know, when I think about and I see um, my patients who are aging, the, those patients who have those aspects together, which are hot, You know, you can't tell someone to go have gratitude or, be kind to, to people, you can't tell it, but people who, you know, who, um, who embrace those, um, what are they, Um, embrace those, they're not really habits, or those, those changes seem to do better, you know, people, so, is there research, it probably is some research, I mean, when, the more I look into the stuff, there's always stuff coming out on community and loneliness and even compassion. I know um, David, I don't know if you've spoken to David, his latest, latest book is is uh, Brainwash. I don't know if you've talked yeah, to him.
0: Yeah, i talked to him about that one. Yeah, yeah. A
1: lot of it is, he talks a lot about that and actually how the microbiome affects that. But I, I do believe strongly that those intangibles, those yin aspects of how we live our life are as important if not more important you know i have so many i mean i have so many people mainly males who are so driven and they're tracking everything and they think they're eating the right way and they're pushing their body and they're exercising and they they you know they're not happy they're like you know just trying to get better and better and um a lot of those people you you know don't do as well as the, the people who learn to just adapt and be with who they are and are, you know comfortable with with their lives and um so I, I i do think it's a balance of yin and yang i don't think I, I do think you need to eat well and exercise and pay attention to your sleep and deal with your i mean i so it's a real balance between these yin and yang aspects
0: man I love that. And it was interesting, earlier we talked about how sort of modern health has become caudal. we take the escalators? We sit in our yeah. heated homes. It also seems like in the modern world that we've kind of lost the art of connection, social media and whatnot. Do, do you think that we've lost the art of connecting with one another in the modern world? Um, I, I don't know if we've lost the art. I just think it's,
1: it's harder. You've got, to, you, you've got to, especially now with COVID, but you've got to just pay more attention to it. I mean, I, I, you know, when I think of how we grew up in South Africa, community was just, it was just part of how we grew up. You know, it's, uh, I don't know what happens in Wales. So I can't really come, but in America, it's very different. You know, when I grew up in South Africa, you know, all of us, we, you know, all the kids who live near each other, so we all used to go play at the park down the road, um, there was just so much more community. There was family coming in and out. There was just automatic. It, it was just normal. Those things don't really happen in this day and age here in America. It's much harder. You've got to pay much more attention to it. So I don't. I think it's just the way we live our lives has 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 made it more difficult. Maybe because everyone is working so hard and they're trying to get ahead and um and and there's less. I think it was just more automatic where community and extended family and extended community was just part of our lives. Um, and it's not now, you know, when, when, I worked in, in, in initially when I finished my training in South Africa, I went to work up in the bush in, in one of the homelands, Gwanda And And um, so I was sort of exposed to, to the and the bell and how they lived and you, you know you just see how people the community everything's everything's communal um, and we so we don't really have that as much today so it's harder um, and I do think it's important I think um, you know not that I'm a you know religious fanatics are not necessarily a good thing but I think religion has a lot of um, positive aspects in terms of community, which are, are good for, you know, people are maybe um, are attracted to that because of the community, which I think is very helpful. I mean, I do think wherever you can create some community, a, a community where you relate to, like, um, you, you know, I assume what you're doing with your podcast is creating some type of community. So it's not that, you um, you can't do it. It's just a little bit different. I think community and finding people who sort of think like you, you feel comfortable around um,
0: is really important for health and aging in particular. Yeah. Yeah and and it's interesting because we mentioned the yin and the yang in tough times when we lose a loved one when we go through a setback right. when we lose a job who do we turn to you know exactly. my fitbit doesn't keep me company when i'm going through right. the tough times you know right. i turn to the people that i love and that i care about exactly and i think we shouldn't forget that i think that's so important
1: i i, I really i'm a bigger i'm i'm a big pro- i've always been a big proponent but especially as you get older and wiser as you see you know you're observing a lot I, I just think these are the aspects of our society that we really need to try and remedy because um the the individual you know the, the society that pushes the individual per se and not the community has some positives i'm not saying it's all bad but if you forget about the whole communal aspect of um growing up together and aging together it's um you know, we put, we put old people in old age homes, as opposed to, you know, we all used to live in one roof. And, you know, I think, yeah, we've, we, 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 we need to not, we need to try and um, remember some of the aspects of these old cultures that I think are powerful,
0: and and healing i completely agree so today we've been discussing the new rules of aging well there'll be a link for this book and everything in the description i just got one last question for you on this book before i just fire through a quick fire ones which you ask at the end end the podcast uh the the everybody wants a magic pill supplements do you recommend any what are your thoughts
1: yeah i'm a big fan of supplements you know I, I used to get a hard time for recommending supplements I mean the important thing is supplements supplement a good diet I don't just think supplements out of context I think supplements can be incredibly helpful I, I take a shitload of supplements um, <laughs> so um, you know you've had um, yeah you know, uh, what's it David what's his name um, Sinclair. Sinclair I mean he's a big proponent of NMR or you know, Matt I, I take dinucleotide riboside. I mean, I take it. Um, I take curcumin. I take coenzyme Q10. I take alpha-lipo. I mean, I take a lot of supplements, but I, the way I use it in my practice is very targeted. Um, they actually, you know, I, I go by people's blood results. You know, some people need more vitamin D than other people. Some people need more magnesium Um, So I I have it very targeted. And then we also do genetic testing, nutritional genetic testing in my office where you can really sort of plug in where people are weak. So some people will come up with poor detoxification pathways or um, prone to vascular health problems. So we can now target supplements according to, uh, you know, really personalize it. So yes, I'm a huge fan of supplements. I think if they are done in a targeted way and done wisely, they are very helpful. Now supplements become expensive. There's so many things that are free and cheap and that you can do um, anyway. But I think if you want to like put the cherry on top, then I think supplements are very helpful. My
0: man, my man. I like it. So a couple of quick fire ones, which I got for you, which we ask at the end of every okay. uh, conversation. So we've discussed your fantastic book today. What books that you've read have impacted your life? Um, I would say um, uh,
1: some meditation books. Uh, uh, Let's look. I'll tell you now. Um,
0: It's a big bookshelf. I like it. (laughs) I
1: would say uh, Light on Yoga by BKS Iyengar which is a really good one. I would say um, uh, where is uh, Full Catastrophe Living, which was one of the, that was many years ago by John Kabat-Zinn, which turned me on to um, meditation. It was sort of a Western explanation of meditation. That has been really helpful. So um, what well, else you know in the old days I mean it, it's, it's changed I mean as I uh, um, uh, between heaven and earth was probably one of the most inf- you know instrumental books in in the way I think that's when they became my Chinese medicine teachers Ephraim Korngold and Harriet Bainfelt, Um you should have them on sometime before they uh, um, so yeah, between heaven and earth, um, what else? I mean, it's hard to say with nutrition because, um, you know, things have changed. Um, what else? Uh, okay, I don't know, is that, that, isn't that enough?
0: That's 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 awesome, man. That's awesome. I like it, man. My last question for you today yeah. before tell these guys where they can connect with you is what makes a life worth living?
1: I think, you know, having purpose and meaning, you know, f- whatever that is for you. Now, as I said earlier, it could be just your children, but you know, I'm, you know, if you've got a purpose and you, you, you know, for I have what, what is meaningful for me is trying to change the way we see the world. Um, you know, not only from a health perspective, but um, I, I think it, a life worth living is having meaning and purpose, um, being kind to yourself, being kind to others, and being kind to the world, to the to the earth. So um, y- you know, we all we are microcosms of this macrocosm. You know, to to think that we can just do whatever we want to 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 planet earth and not expect negative consequences is so we got to just be aware of um, how we treat the world how we treat others and how we treat ourselves
0: that was a beautiful answer um as i I mentioned we've been discussing your book the new rules of aging well we will be giving away one copy of this book. I will put a link below to our Instagram. Can you tell these guys where they can connect with you and if you've got any closing messages for them or maybe about the book?
1: Sure. So I have a, a website, drfranklipman.com, drfranklipman. We put out great blogs and a free newsletter every week. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at drfranklipman. Um, I'm on Instagram. My health coach does an Instagram at Frank Lippman, MD. Um, but yeah, I'm. Yeah. yeah, but my newsletter is pretty good. I <laughs> have this. This will go in. I have, every week I send out. You know, whether it's podcasts or whatever, and, and great, great articles. We put out great stuff every week.
0: Man. I, I absolutely loved your book. I, I've been listening Thank to a few you. of your podcasts lately. It has been a real, real pleasure speaking to you. I, I've really, really enjoyed. It. I hope it was worth missing the football game for. <laughs> 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 well, I, I really enjoyed, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Well, guys, that wraps up episode one hundred and sixty of the Freedom Pact podcast. I've learned so much from Dr. Lippmann. It was such a pleasure speaking to him. As a reminder, this episode is up on our YouTube channel. If you head over there, youtube.com forward slash Freedom Pact, please hit the subscribe button as we upload all of our videos, all of our interviews in video format on there. Uh, we also have a healthy, wealthy and wise newsletter, which you can just swipe up on and hit the link and subscribe to connect with us further. And if you wouldn't mind, if you would consider it, then please leave us a five-star iTunes review as this really, really, really helps us grow the show. Guys, thank you so, so much for tuning in. As always, this was such a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. And we will see you again on Monday for a brand new episode.